Hi everyone, welcome back to the next installment of the DJ's Aviation Podcast. Apologies for not having an episode go up last week. Um, purely this happened due to the late release of the Portugal episode, which you all seem to enjoy. It was the longest one that I've actually put out. It's something like an hour and ten minutes. Um, and yeah, I actually headed off to Scotland on Tuesday and Wednesday of last week, so it was just a bit hard to logistically record a podcast. But this is being recorded on Tuesday the 8th of June at 5.08 British Summertime. Um, it should be going out this coming weekend, but it is being live streamed, or I guess you could say recorded live in the Discord server in one of the stage channels, so a big shout out to anyone listening. That is actually the first thing I really want to get onto, but before I begin... I just thought I'd mention that given the fact it is getting towards summer and quite hot here in the United Kingdom, I do have my window open, which means if you know London or any busy city, there's likelihood of some sort of sirens or something interrupting us is very likely, and I do apologise for any background noise. I will do my best to edit that out for you to make it the most pleasurable listening experience I can, but it is quite difficult, and to be honest, if this podcast is 30 to 40 minutes, I don't intend on, I don't want to suffocate. And I'm sure you listening definitely do not want to hear a fan buzzing every five seconds in the background. So we're just going to have to make do, and everyone cross your fingers now when you're listening, that um, there's no sirens. I would say, though, that the odds are probably not looking good, considering typically when I do my regular recordings on the channel, which you don't see because I edit these parts out, something always interrupts me, whether it be an ambulance, a police car, someone playing loud music outside. I mean, today I had to stop my recording for one minute because someone decided to roll up in a car with their tunes in a convertible blasting at full volume, literally shaking my flat, and I'm like many stories up, which is pretty annoying, but we can cross our fingers. As I was saying, regarding topics covered today, there will be aviation topics. Uh, People seem to enjoy aviation podcasts um, where they're talked about. I don't want to do a full aviation podcast, just because, I mean, you could just watch the videos if you really wanted that. But I do want to uh, briefly touch on, briefly or however in-depth I go, on the supersonic jet, which recently got uh, unveiled. I guess I want to talk more about that. I'll give like a rundown of what happened if you've not seen my video, and then I do want to get into my thoughts and opinions on it, especially with regards to United's contract, and if I think it will go ahead. Um, There's also discussions regarding quarantining, which some people may have heard if they watched the YouTube live stream or following me on Twitter, otherwise you may not have. Um, There's also discussion regarding my Scotland trip, Uh, And I think that's it, but hopefully it's a a good episode that you all do enjoy. We'll begin with Discord, which is where, once again, this is being recorded at the moment. Um, It's it's been a busy couple of days in the server. We recently unveiled a bunch of new roles. Now, if you're not in a Discord server, you don't have Discord, it's not your thing. Uh, Roles are something you can achieve by talking, as in texting in the server, and say every 200 messages that you send, you get a special color, which is applied to your name. We basically do it in the form of aircraft, So you start small and work your way up to, say, the Beluga 747A380. Um, And it's a great thing for members to interact with and, and I guess, achieve something and work for something. We recently did a major overhaul with that, um, purely because we we have a member called Lex D who has simply ramped through all the roles that we had already in about, well, what, three months, four months? He did it exceedingly fast. um, And I think we kind of shot ourselves in the foot when it came to establishing these roles, Um, because obviously we left out some aircraft as we didn't want too many roles, but then there was no real way to add them back in because uh, members that were past that wouldn't be able to show off their new colour. 
So we've reset uh, the roles and people are now going again with, I think there's about now, you have to achieve something like 95 levels, which is near on impossible. I think it's, well, I say impossible, but I know some members will get it eventually. Um, but if you're just average, you're coming in, it's going to be impossible to get for a very, very long time at least, which makes it a bit more fun than advancing so quickly as some other members have done. And then, well, we can't really do anything else. We're sort of stuck. Uh, with that being said, I thought I'd give an honorable shout out to Lex, who is probably listening into this now. Uh, this is a member of ours that is incredibly active and managed to hit 100,000 messages in the server. That's 100,000 unique messages. Pretty incredible, considering we started at the end of February, and this is being recorded at the start of June. So 100,000 messages in the server. And I'm pretty sure he's crushing every other member by like 50,000. So it's insane. A big shout out to you. Um, yeah, yesterday we had, I think, 30,000 messages sent in that 24-hour period, which is pretty incredible. The activity the most active I've seen it and obviously it's not organic as in people just want to come in and chat we obviously know why they're coming in but nevertheless it's still pretty cool when you see 30,000 messages in one day I think our previous record was something like 14,000 so you can see the drastic increase and even today we're approaching something like 20,000 so it's been cool to see it very active um, and hopefully long may that continue as it's a great place for anyone in the community to just come and talk not even just about aviation I feel like half the time it's random stuff being talked about and I guess that's what makes it so unique and good it's not it's not the one thing and it's it's a place where people can come to talk about life school whatever's like impacting them maybe their favorite game um, as an example on the weekends we'll have people chatting about Formula One uh, so there's a bit of everything in there for everyone and uh personally firsthand I know that it's a good place for people given the fact that not everyone has someone they can talk to about planes or someone they can talk to in general and that's certainly not to say that people are lonely and therefore everyone in the server is lonely or everyone on discord or everyone on twitter is lonely but naturally if you're a younger person say a teenager even like my how i was myself and you didn't have that outlet of those people to talk to because maybe aviation was mocked in your school or something like that it's great to just come on and chat to like-minded people that I'd argue are pretty respectful and kind and caring to everyone in there, as in there's never major problems or anything like that. Um, so that's that's going to cover the Discord uh, area. I think next we may move on to maybe get out of the way the United Supersonic people that are listening, and then I'll get into Scotland and the whole quarantine fiasco, which actually doesn't relate to Scotland. It relates to Porto, and it's a complete and utter mess. Um, that it's just better to get out in podcast form. I feel like I can... Um, get more in depth with that than maybe a youtube live stream where i'd argue that i panic a lot more on a youtube live stream and probably leave stuff out as it's, it's pretty daunting it's weird it's it's really weird i know how you have tens of thousands of people that watch daily even like say sixty thousand people that watch daily but then all of a sudden you get nervous when you do a live stream with 150 people i feel like it's it's that element of being live and maybe you have to be more careful and to be honest i have to be careful what i say now because this is also somewhat live um but yeah so I just feel like it's better to get everything out, and I have a couple of dot points. But first of all, well, let's focus on the Boom Supersonic aircraft. This has been covered on the channel many, many times, back even to 2019 when they first became a thing. Um, it's not the first time that we've heard of Supersonic Trouble returning. Um, there's been other companies which have now sadly gone bust, but Boom Supersonic, I would say, has probably been one of the most dominant or even prominent ones that has appeared maybe they didn't at one stage look like they were going to be the most successful or the company that was going to i guess you could say how would i put it succeed and not let's not succeed but you know what i mean really get the ball rolling and get in the air uh because i feel like there's a definition and a difference part of me between succeeding and, and simply flying 
Um, to be a success, we obviously want this aircraft to be doing well. And I'd argue that there were other supersonic projects, ones that especially had the backing of Boeing, which is a major aircraft manufacturer, that probably had a better, maybe, outlook. But unfortunately, they have now gone bust regarding funding and, of course, the state of the pandemic and achieving a supersonic aircraft in time. So really, one of the only remaining ones that is actually notable that is having developments occur is Boom Supersonic, who might I add have already secured orders, but in the past two weeks actually received an order from United, who announced they would purchase 15 of the Boom Supersonic aircraft. Pretty exciting. United marketed this as a major, major event. In fact, I'm pretty sure they wiped all of their Instagram and they certainly announced it one day before with, well, didn't announce it, but they said something big is coming over on their Twitter. And like I mentioned, they wiped all of their Instagram posts. What I'll actually just do now is have a look if their Instagram posts are still wiped because I'd be very interested personally to see whether they've come back. Uh, they have. Okay, they have. So pretty much they archived, ev they archived everything and then unarchived everything. Um, but yeah, the supersonic plane is really, I'd argue... I wouldn't say it's just a marketing thing, but it's definitely propelled United and the aircraft a hell of a lot more than maybe what we've seen in the past. It's almost like that Kickstarter to reach the global aviation scene and the global maybe general public, if you will, especially when it comes to news organisations that have naturally been picking up on this story. I think if you read somewhere, well, personally, I don't, but if you've heard of places like the BBC, maybe the Daily Mail... Um, if you're in Australia, you'll have places like 9MSN. I don't really know what the equivalent is in the United States. I know I have a lot of listeners from there. But the best way I can describe it is your junk media. That's just how I've got it. Your, your trash media that will cover celebrity news and, and cover the gossip stuff and, do you know what I mean, like lifestyle. They will not cover something like the 737 Max receiving orders of 34 from southwest they will not cover Cathay pacific plunging as they report 900 million losses us with a passenger downturn of say 9.5 percent or they carried only 69 percent of or 75 percent or 85 percent or 63 percent or 65 percent of their regular services on passengers and so forth um they will never touch anything like that but uh they definitely pick up on stuff like this, which is almost playing into the hands. I'm currently on the United Instagram, um, and I'm just having a look at sort of their regular posts, which do feature aircraft, I should mention. They aren't graphic posts. They're actually aircraft landing and pictures of aircraft, which you could argue will definitely gain more traction. Um, and as an example, where I'll look at their most recent post, um, and it has 14,000 likes. Of course, their videos definitely get a lot more, but... Um, their supersonic announcement has 146,000 likes and almost 5,000 comments. And personally, looking at news sites around the world when it comes to research, this has been picked up a considerable amount. Now, that doesn't make a difference in the aircraft getting up, but it certainly attracts interest in supersonic travel once again and, and the benefits to it, which I would argue did not happen in the past up until United, a big American carrier that has a huge fleet and a huge global footprint, really picked up on it. So they've announced that. They ordered 15. They do have options for an additional 35 aircraft, should they wish to. And entry into service, permitting lots of things, would be in 2029. However, in around, I believe, four years, we should begin to see the original testing phases as it rolls out and then flying in 2026. That would roughly leave about a year for ground tests. This is very, very similar to what we've seen with the 777X. That's the example I give because the 777X is an aircraft that is currently undergoing testing. 
ignore the time frame of triple seven X because like we know it's been so heavily delayed. Just focus on the mere fact that we have ground tests and then flying tests. For Boom, they'd be aiming at a 2025 rollout and the next year in 2026, we would see the flight testing, which I think is looking at taking three years. I already discussed this briefly in the main channel video, but I said something along the lines of, it doesn't shock me that it's gonna take longer to completely certify a supersonic aircraft over something like an A321XLR. And I would love to see it come out in 2029. I'd love to even make it to it being rolled out. Will it happen? We'll have to wait and see. Like I mentioned before, this is now looking like the most likely, if you will, program that will succeed and bring back Supersonic, but a hell of a lot can, can go wrong in the next eight years. I think that's something we have to recognize. This is brilliant and all, but you can't say right now in 2021 that this will be flying in 2029. Uh, we've seen many concepts come out. We've seen many, as, as an example, airlines put faith in aircraft doesn't mean that it's going to necessarily go forward. United in the past couple of years have been investing a lot in startups and ordering and putting faith in companies, but that does not mean they're going to receive those aircraft in the future. As I like to say, I believe it when it flies, and especially in the case of Supersonic. And that's that's what leads me on to the next point of discussion, and this is in relation to, I guess you could say, the contract. And that is something that a lot of people will maybe ignore and maybe only focus on how much it will cost them and the amount of aircraft they've ordered. As an example, what I mentioned was 15 purchase rights and then 35 additional options. There is no way in hell that United Airlines will have ordered that aircraft and not have somewhere in the contract an easy way out. You might say, why on earth would they want an easy way out? Because it's a supersonic aircraft. There will always be something in the contract to exit for any other aircraft, but you can increase that tenfold when we take a look at a boom supersonic plane. It is a huge risk for United. It could pay a lot of returns and it could be very beneficial to them. And they could, yes, lead the way. But if they don't, they need an exit plan. They just need an exit plan. Um, that hasn't really been talked about. I've seen it a, a few maybe t subtle tweets about it. But it's definitely something I wanted to bring up. That there's got to be somewhere in there that allows them to exit the contract in a way that they don't take a hit. But... If all goes well, I would be very, very excited to see this flying in 2029. Um, it looks cool, even though a lot of people have, I guess you could say, paired it towards the Concorde and compared it and say, well, the Concorde designers have done so well. Honestly, if I'm going to say anything and the people that are attacking it, just be grateful that we could have supersonic return. I think maybe I'm guilty of it firsthand. I feel like a lot of people will nitpick things. And I know I'm guilty of it, to be honest, if I'm covering negative news when there's positive news and I focus on one thing instead of the other. That that doesn't come from a place of being biased. That just comes from a place of doing my best to cover what I believe is interesting to the public. Um, and that's where, that's where I come from. But in regards to this, just be happy that this could be happening in 2029. And if it does roll out, at least we may have supersonic travel back. United Airlines is planning on using these on flights to the like, from the lights of Newark to Frankfurt. San Francisco to Tokyo, and the times would be reduced drastically. As an example, Newark, which is New York to London, would be three and a half hours. Uh, Newark to four, uh, Frankfurt, pardon me, in Germany would be four hours, and then San Francisco to Tokyo would be six hours. We're looking, therefore, at times being slashed in half if these flights do indeed take place, which is a huge benefit. And I briefly touched on this also in the main video. Uh, it's funny that it would take three and a half hours from New York to London, but then you can uh, sit, be sat on a train for three and a half hours up the UK um, and, and not get that far in relation and in comparison. There we go. First put a noise outside. I apologize. 
We've been doing well so far regarding noise outside. I'm actually surprised. I thought I was going to jinx myself, but maybe I've done a U-turn with the jinx, a 180. Um, yeah, but like I said, you can be stuck on a train for three and a half hours and yeah, this plane's already gone from uh, New York to London. Either way, pretty exciting stuff. Um, it's definitely made waves in the media and I know the general public have heard about it. Even people that didn't know about aviation are like, oh, supersonic travel, which like I said, is exciting. It shines light on the industry and maybe from there, you know, what's positive from that? Maybe from there, not even in relation to the plane, but from there, 15 people see an article and get interested in planes and like start liking aviation and then get into a job there just from an article because believe it or not, that is the impact something like this can happen. Aviation is rarely exposed to the world i'd argue by you flying on a plane but in regards to actual news it has to be like a plane crash sadly and this is not a plane crash on the surface this is an exciting prospect for the future and that could bring people into the community not even just my community but into various other people's communities and into the aviation scene i think we'll move on from there but if you have any thoughts just feel free to let me know whether it be in the discord through emails twitter if you want to go onto the, the video and make, maybe indulge in the comments uh, you're more than welcome to. And I'm sure if this progresses, I will continue to update you on what's been going on with it because I'll definitely be keeping a close eye, especially with how much United and Boom have been marketing it and getting it out there that they have indeed ordered it and they're the first American and major carrier. Now, with that being said, we've crossed off a couple of things, that being the Discord and United Supersonic. I hope you enjoyed those two sections. Now we'll move on to, I guess, more personal but funny stuff. I want to begin with, um, where should I begin? Scotland or quarantine and self-isolation? Hmm. Let's just start with self-isolation because it's in relation to the Portugal trip. Yes. If you have not listened to the previous podcast, I would highly suggest you stop what you're doing now and go back to listen to that. That, in my opinion, is one of my favorites. But to be honest, this is shaping up to be quite a good one. Because I feel like I haven't made that many mistakes and I've been pretty good at keeping on a schedule and explaining things. And, and I'm telling you, I am going to get better at these podcasts I know the first couple of ones were absolutely all over the place, but I would definitely argue now I'm getting better at holding a structure and getting everything I want out. I do blabble, don't get me wrong, I do just go on a tangents and things like that, but I definitely argue I'm getting better. So I'm thinking we might stick with the quarantine. I went to Portugal on the, what date was it now? The 29th of May and the 30th, yeah, 29th of May and the 30th of May. You've probably seen, if you're in the UK or in Europe, that Portugal was added to the amber list on the traffic light system. I've briefly touched on the traffic light system, but basically it, it explains where you're permitted to travel and what uh, like measures you have to take, whether that be quarantining, COVID tests, where you're completely banned from, uh, hotel quarantine, mandatory and all that kind of jazz. Now, Portugal was on the green list when I traveled, which means all I needed to provide was a negative PCR test a passport and two passenger locator forms, one being for the United Kingdom and one being for Portugal. Simple enough, well it wasn't, as discussed in the earlier podcast, it was a complete and utter mess, um, but it is easier than say something on the amber or red list, and to be completely honest, it's the best case scenario because it is green. Now for some unknown reason, Portugal is no longer in the green list, I have no understanding why, uh, I will not get too heavily into the reasons behind it and the stats because they make no sense to me and and if you're listening to this in the uk i'm sure you have absolutely no idea whatsoever either because it is just as confusing um so yeah they're on the amber list but when i flew they're on the green list which means now i think it's something lines up if you go there you need to quarantine there and then quarantine back which is 28 days need i remind you 
28 days of quarantine, which is just ridiculous. If you need to go and see someone urgently for family, whatever it may be, it's so unpractical to be able to do it, to do that, even though you're providing the tests and all that jazz. Um, but yeah, so that means, that means because it was green, I didn't have to quarantine coming back into United Kingdom. All I had to do was provide a day two after test, which I did and came back negative for. However, on the Wednesday, as I was about to go into the Edinburgh dungeon, dungeons, pardon me, because I was in Edinburgh, Scotland on Tuesday and Wednesday at around 12 o'clock, I received a text message. The text message was from NHS Test and Trace. And let me just go to my text messages. You know, I have so many people texting me. So many people. I'm kidding. It was literally last week and it's the second conversation down. Anyway, let me just uh, open this up. They keep texting me, so I have to just find... Okay, here it is. Uh, they said, uh, NHS Test and Trace has identified you as a contact of someone who was recently tested positive for COVID-19. You must now stay at home and self-isolate for 10 days from the date of your last contact with them. Now, my self-isolation has ended now, I'm pretty sure, but they contacted me on what was meant to be day four or day five of my isolation. I mean, do I even need to say any more? Or is that already your your flaw that it's like, well, what? I was meant to be isolating for 10 days, but it was the point of contact. Now, I went to Portugal with a friend um, and uh, as part of like a chartered tour for my football team. And uh, so I contacted my mate and I was like, well, do you have to self-isolate? And he's like, yes. He then called NHS Test and Trace and they were like... Um, yeah, the reason why is because someone on your plane tested positive for COVID. And we're like, well, that's a bit weird because you were meant to have a negative PCR test. But I digress. Um, so the point, the exposure point was on the plane. Now, you might be like, fair enough. But we met uh, a guy who was, I was sitting on the aisle seat. My mate was sitting in the middle seat and we met a guy on the, uh, the window seat, pardon me. I thankfully have the guy on the window seat's Instagram. So I contacted him and was like, do you have to self-isolate? Because naturally, if this is as an exposure point on the plane, it would make sense then that we have to isolate. The guy on the window seat did not have to self-isolate and has not had to have to self-isolate. So my mate rang up the NHS again and was like, well, that doesn't make much sense because why, why is that happening? And they're like, oh, yeah, because it was in your area of the plane. And I was like, that doesn't really make any sense then because if you really want to get practical and, and deep into it at the end of the day you're on a 737 800 a single aisle 33 configuration you're grown men you're squashed in a seat together it's not like there's two meters between you and i should mention that on board the tui flight there was no social distancing so it was like three and three um so it was just a bit odd the entire thing how that happened especially when you think that the flight was an hour and 50 minutes However, before boarding the flight, I was on a coach with these people for three hours, and I can confirm to you that the coach seating was not anything like that of the plane one, which means the person that could have been exposed to COVID could have been sat next to someone else, and they don't need to self-isolate. At the end of the day, I'm fine. I'm not sick. Wasn't sick at all. Came back negative. Felt fine completely. But it's just a bit baffling, and it's a bit confusing to me. Um, I would also argue that the way they handle the self-isolation thing is a bit weird. I mean, they call you like twice at nine o'clock in the morning. And as an example, they called me while I was sleeping. They were like, hi, sorry, sorry, let me get into the proper voice for this. Hi. And then I say, hello. Are you self-isolating? Yeah, I'm self-isolating. All right. Hangs up. So, I mean, <laughs> come on. Like, <laughs> and then the second day it was like, hi, do you live at this address? Mm, good. Mm. Yeah, yeah. All right. 
This is not me, by the way. This is the person on the call who you can't understand. Do you have any questions? Hangs up. I mean, Jesus Christ. But anyway, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Very, very interesting, to say the least. I don't really understand the logic in the slightest. Um, and I think a lot of people didn't agree with the logic that I explained when I was doing it on a YouTube live stream. At the end of the day, I don't think this pandemic's made any sense in regards to how they're treating it now and the decisions they're making when it comes to travel and just test and trace and all that jazz. But look, unfortunately, it's one of those things if you just have to do it and then suck it up. It doesn't have to make sense, but you just have to do it and suck it up. And I did indeed have to do that. But I believe I'm out now. I don't think it's a thing anymore. Uh, also, we have 32 people listening to the podcast now. I'm just having a look on, on the Discord and I'm a bit... I'm a bit shocked that there's 30, like, people. And hello to everyone there that's now saying hello. Yeah, anyway, 32 people, that's quite shocking. That's the thing I've most ever had. Anyway, let's move on to the Scotland trip, shall we? Something a bit more positive and a bit more exciting. So I actually made my first ever journey to Scotland. By train, not by plane. It was by train on LNER. For any of the people interested in trains, um, I have booked this. When did I book this? Well, it was a bit of a shambles, to be completely honest. I booked the Scotland trip two months ago. Uh, I didn't realize I was going to be going to Portugal three days earlier because you might have been like, wow, you went to Portugal and Scotland. Yeah, but that wasn't the plan. There were, I knew I was going to Portugal four days before I went. There was no prior notice. It was so quick like that all of a sudden I wasn't going and then I was going. Like I mentioned uh, in the last podcast, I was actually... I didn't get approved to travel on the package. The only reason I went to Portugal is because the first time in my life I complained to company... And I do not complain to companies. I hate doing that. But, you know, when for me, football means a lot to me, a hell of a lot to me. And I was not happy with the decision based on a bunch of other things that I'm not going to explain, but it just didn't make sense, the procedure that they were doing. And um, I complained and wrote like a five paragraph email. So like I said, the only reason I went is because I complained and it was very, very quick. And to be honest, I didn't really want to go to Scotland because I just wanted to sleep. I was up for like 32 hours on the um, day of the the Portugal trip. Anyway, I went off to Scotland absolutely knackered with like two hours sleep. I had headed to Edinburgh. I was meant to go to Glasgow. However, I probably made a mistake and underestimated how much I wanted to see in Edinburgh. And I still didn't even get to see anything. For reference, I was only in Edinburgh about 25 hours with a, a sleep, a one night stay in a hotel, which is not really a lot. And I definitely want to go back, not this time, but when I come back eventually, I want to go back to Edinburgh and spend a bit longer in Scotland because personally, I really, really enjoyed Edinburgh. And if you're looking for somewhere to go, I would highly recommend going there. Yeah, Glasgow was also on my list and I had a train booked, managed to get a refund, but I didn't get to go to uh, Glasgow, unfortunately. Um, I would have liked to, though. I think it would have been very, very good to say the least. But like I said, Edinburgh is beautiful. Um, I spent a lot of the time on the hop-on, hop-off bus tours. I would argue that they're a really good way at seeing places and getting a bit more history and information on the city at hand and the city you're in. You learn a lot, but also it's very easy then, therefore, to walk around. I would say, personally, for somewhere like London, it's maybe not needed. I feel like the London public transport system is top-notch. Now, people are probably not going to disagree with me here, and I think that just comes down from perspective. As someone who lived 18 years in Melbourne, Australia, where the public transport system is absolutely pants... I could say a lot worse, but I'm just going to say it's absolutely pants, and I think you know what I mean by that, to the point where I have to wait an hour for one bus. Um, I think that's all you really need to know. Uh, and I understand that 
London has its faults and has its delays, but I see people complaining about a train being delayed three minutes, and I'm thinking, well, I've had to wait three hours for a metro train in, in Melbourne because it just decided to not turn up because they didn't have enough, tra- or whatever it is, you know what I mean? So I just feel like that's perspective of if I come from Melbourne and then to London, I'm like, London is insane. But it's very easy to move around London, even without the big bus tour. The buses are very easy. There's easy tube stops. But maybe for Edinburgh, it was a bit more everything's all over the place. I definitely managed to do a bit of walking on the high street through to Edinburgh Castle, but um, other places it was just easier to go on the bus. And I had a lot of fun. I've got a lot of pictures. I think I took a thousand pictures, but look, none of them have really been edited except one that's on my Flickr. Little plug, if you're not following the Flickr, I would highly recommend doing so. I've been slacking off there because I've been so busy, but that is where I've been uploading plane pictures, uh, train pictures, bus pictures, and for anyone that's interested in general photography, that's just a great place. I don't really do it for, I'm not going to lie, and I'm not saying that that's what I would ever do it for, but I don't do it for like, oh, traction and boosting my brand elsewhere. It is honestly, I love passion. A passion of mine is photography. I just love the fact that I finally now have somewhere when I edit something to upload it. I don't like Instagram. I will hold my hand up right now and say I hate Instagram. So many different things about it I do not like. Yes, I am on it, but I don't like it. Flickr, on the other hand, as a photographer... It's just a great place to have like a backlog of your images and not be worried that the quality is going to go to crap or they're going to compress it and ruin it. And, and Instagram is plagued with so much advertising and crap. And I just say Flickr is just a lot of fun to just be able to... And don't get me wrong, Flickr does have its advertisements, but it's just a fun place to be able to put up my pictures. So with that being said, if you're not following that and you're not even on Flickr, uh, I should have a link in the show notes. You're more than welcome to just go and check it out if you like seeing pictures. Um... Yeah, so I spent a lot of time on the bus going around, saw some really, really nice things. Uh, Edinburgh Castle was a highlight, I'd say, but to be completely honest, due to the position of the sun, it was pretty hard to see Edinburgh Castle when I went up to it. Um, It was really cool to see a lot of the architecture. That is something I'm a huge fan of. I don't know about you, um, but a lot of the reasons why I like to go to different locations is for the architecture. It's why I wanted to go to Oxford, York, and Bath. I just love the way the buildings and churches and so on are designed. That is why, well, maybe controversial, and I'm sorry to anyone that's listening from here, but I really, really don't like Paris. I personally think Paris is one of the most overrated places in the world. Um, I think it's just, I mean, it's again, it's one of those unpopular opinions, and like I've just seen in the uh, Discord server, incredibly controversial, but Paris is overrated and is, um, yeah, and then you know what the thing is? I personally really, 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 really like France. I've been to Lille, which is up north, and I personally really liked Lille. I thought that was a lot nicer. I've also, if anyone likes this and didn't didn't know this, I absolutely love watching the Tour de France. It was something I watched when I was younger. I would spend a lot of time up watching it. I'd play games on my computer. And I know it's weird because cycling is meant to be boring. I actually enjoyed watching it for the scenery. And um, I thought it was quite nice. But Paris is a is just an absolute hole. And I'm sorry to anyone that likes it. And I'm sorry to people that find it romantic and find it look beautiful. But look, if you want to see people pissing all over walls, then, then, then so be it. Um, and that's nothing against French. Because my girlfriend's family is, is French and everything like that. And, um, and so on. So I have nothing against that. Her family's French. I know people. Nothing against the people whatsoever. I just think Paris is overrated. With that being said, I do want to go back to Paris. I feel like I am completely contradicting myself now and saying I want to go back to Paris 
But that goes back to my point of the architecture. Uh, I would only want to go back to do photography, but I think the rest of it, like, honestly, if you could take me back to Paris and put me in a hazmat suit, I will go. But for holidaying, I think it's overrated. Um, and especially the romantic side. There's maybe like one nice street where the Champs-Élysées is, but the minute you go outside the Champs-Élysées, it is crap. That being said, uh, I hope to one day... I sound like such an idiot. I'm sorry for my language, but I sound like such an idiot saying all that and being like, I want to go back now. Uh, but it just it just goes on my point of like Edinburgh and York and Oxford is that I feel like the architecture in certain locations, especially in Europe, are very nice. Um, and that is something I like taking pictures of. When I went to Porto, I took pictures of a lot of the buildings and I just thought it was cool to see how it changes with each country. Also, there are so many people listening to this in the Stage Channel and so many people joining. And a lot of people that joined just as I was uh, slagging off Paris. So I apologize if that's the first thing you've heard upon joining this server. But uh, yeah, like I said, Edinburgh was absolutely beautiful and I'd highly recommend you going. I also attended the Edinburgh Dungeons. Now, if anyone knows, I'm not sure if anyone's heard of that, but it's a great place to learn about the history. And I was not quite expecting what it was going to be. I thought it was a walkthrough seeing more of the history. It was actually more like a comedy or a comedic interpretation of the history of Edinburgh. There was a lot of uh, laughter, a lot of... Basically, it's acting, as in you've got people portraying certain things in the past and acting it out um, and making fun of the people on the guests on the tour. I mean, I thought it was good. Not so much for the constantly being made fun of by the people that were working there. I think some... I'm not going to get into some of the jokes, uh, but some of the jokes they said I think were a bit uncalled for. Um, That being said... It's one of those experiences that you do and tick off. I was pretty panicked. I think my tour started at 2 o'clock and I had a train at 4 p.m. and it was meant to take 80 minutes. And by 2.20, I still hadn't even made it through the queue to get in. So I was like, oh no, I'm going to miss my train back to London. But it was all good. I ended up doing that and making my train back. Um, Oh, I had on the train ride back from Scotland, I had one of those things. If anyone doesn't know, I'm severely allergic to peanuts. Therefore, I carry around an EpiPen when I go traveling. And I don't go anywhere near that sort of stuff. But if anyone has an allergy and is listening to this podcast, you may know firsthand of the panic state you get in when you see the thing you're allergic to, i.e. someone eating peanuts. And for some reason, those things usually come in threes for me. As an example, I usually will... Or how do I put it? I will usually see one person eating peanuts and then five minutes later, there'll be another person, another person, another person, and then I'll go like six months without seeing it. It just happened to be on my carriage and basically across from me, someone had M&M peanuts and then um, they left and then the new person came on and was eating, uh, pardon me, was eating raw peanuts and the dusting them off everywhere. And I was just like, you have to be kidding me because that, that puts me in a panic state, if you know what I mean. That makes me very, very scared and very worried. So because you're only meant to sit in your allocated seat, I had to look for someone on the train and actually ended up moving. Now, mind you, the... in the uh, conductor on the train and the train manager said that the train was going to be full. And when I was looking for the train manager, literally, I passed three empty carriages. So I didn't know what they were on, but trust me, that, that thing was not full. And I ended up moving to a table seat and had it all to myself. And actually, for the first time ever, managed to do work on a train. I felt so productive. I felt so on top of the world, being like all those businessmen that sit in there. Because usually I just like sit in the train and just look at my phone. But I had my laptop out. I was writing scripts for videos. I was writing DJ's transport videos, which have now released. There's still some more coming. I was writing scripts for the main channel. I was researching. I was answering. I was just like 
I'm in my element. Um, that was pretty cool, and people are going to probably laugh at me for that, but that was, that was honestly quite cool to do. Had my charger. Um, that, that was very, very fun. And I managed to get some work done. I actually got a lot of work done. I think I wrote like six scripts in an hour, which for me is insane. Usually I'm pretty, uh, pretty lazy. Not lazy, but I struggle to... How do I put it? I struggle to, I guess you could say... Hmm get my work done. I am very, very easily distracted, whether that be with the Discord server ping, whether that be watching a YouTube video, listening to music, checking Twitter. I, I'm just not good. I, the only way I can stay in the zone is if I listen to lo-fi study beats. But I got a lot of work done on the train, so maybe I just need to book a train ride up the country when I need to do work. Let me just pay like £100. I'm kidding. My bank account will die if I do that, so there's no way in hell. But... I will remember next time I'm going on a long journey, whenever in the future, bring the laptop because I can get work done. Um, how long have we been going now? 36 minutes. Jesus, I did not realise it had been that long, but I think it's been a good podcast to say the least. Um, there's been a lot to talk about. I mean, actually not a lot. It was just I talked quite a lot about certain topics from the supersonic jet to this quarantine and then Scotland fiasco. And we had a lot of people listening in the stage channel and a lot of people joining the server. So thank you so much to everyone that has been joining the server and everyone that is uh, listening in the stage channel. This is easily a new record. And if you'd like to join the Discord server, which is what everyone's doing now at the moment, you are more than welcome to. And you can uh, join the Discord server with our vanity URL, which is discord.gg forward slash aviation. Who are the new people that have joined? Let me just read out their names so they can get a shout out in the podcast. We have... Uh, Spy the Man, the Doctor, P-A-E, Rise Up fam. I'm not, I'm not sure if he's new, though. Uh, he's got a white name, but then again, I could just be wrong because of the re- role reset. Either way, welcome to everyone um, that has joined and everyone that is listening, the 35 people. I'd love to see you guys in here, whoever's listening to this on Spotify, SoundCloud, and so on. Um, I really appreciate all the support, and I appreciate all the people that listen to this. The podcast is definitely more of a niche, I would say, overall. Um, if you have a look at the YouTube channel or the numbers, the podcast is nothing like that. I think, see, this is the confusing thing. The podcast goes out on like five different platforms, so it's hard to calculate how many people actually listen. But I think on average, we maybe have something like like 3,000 people or 2,500 people listening to the podcast, each podcast, which is not a lot um, in, in like the grand scheme of things in comparison, say, for talking 300,000 people subscribed, like the people that come over. But... It is cool that people listen and people actually look forward to hearing me waffle absolute crap for 30 or 40 minutes a week. So I appreciate it. Um, Hopefully the next time I come to you with... Actually, let me think. Is there anything else that I need to say? I'm really bad at this when I end the podcast. I'm like, oh no, I didn't talk about this. Uh, I don't think there's anything. Hopefully the next time I come back to you, I will have more to talk about. I don't have any day trips planned though in between now and the next podcast recording session which means that the next podcast might be more news or story-based. The only reason it hasn't been that is because so much has been going on in my life after this major lockdown for five months that there's just been a lot to talk about, which has made it probably more entertaining for you to listen to. Uh, I've got all the stories saved for when it gets really dull, which is probably when I move back to Australia. But until the next podcast, thank you so, so much um, for listening to it i really really appreciate it and to everyone that was listening in the discord server thank you so so much 31 people decided to listen to me waffle so that's pretty that's pretty cool and i appreciate that a lot um what should i say do i need to say anything i mean 
I really don't care if you subscribe to the podcast. You can do whatever you want. But if you want to, you're more than welcome to. As long as you enjoyed it, that's the main thing. Uh, until next week, please take care. Be safe. I should see you in the Discord server to all the new people. Um, and, yeah, just thank you very, very much for the support. mean a lot to me. And, uh, yeah, I will now stop this recording and save it so I don't accidentally delete it. Have a good week, guys, and take care. Thank you for tuning into another episode of the DJ's Aviation Podcast. If you haven't already, feel free to follow my socials, being that of YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram, all under the DJ's Aviation Branding. If you're interested in seeing my large collection of car, transport, aviation, and natural landscape photography, you can check me out on Flickr. Interested maybe in also joining a Discord community with thousands of members, you can do so with the vanity URL of discord.gg forward slash aviation. Would certainly love to see you there. Until the next podcast, be safe and take care.